We will be reading from Psalms 139, 1 through 12. It will be found in your pew Bibles on page 576 and 577. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my laying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold, will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the lights become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is a light to you. We will be reading from Matthew 6, verses 25 to 33, it's on page 894 of your Pew Bible. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds in the air. Did you not sow? or reap, or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable to th than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why, are you worry why do you worry about the clothes? See how the flowers on the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown onto the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Amen. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Man, it's quite full in here this morning. It sounded like three of you said good morning to me, so I'm going to try it again. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Amen. Uh, can we just give a big round of applause to our Pathfinders? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, whoa, this is a lot shorter than I thought it'd be. Is there a longer one? Oh, it's fine. It's fine. I I'd have to say, when you guys were making your presentation about what you are doing, I was exhausted. Was anyone else exhausted? I, I think you guys are doing, how many, how many events did you do this year? Two a month. Two a month. Two a month. That means you, you did 24 activities sometime this year. Is that correct? 
I mean, if there's 12 months, I'm guessing it'll be about 24. That's fantastic, you guys. I don't know how you get the energy. I want to thank the parents for, for being supportive of this. Can we give a big round of applause for the parents? Yes. I have a daughter who is, uh, she's, she just turned one a couple weeks ago, and I couldn't imagine how much work I'd have to do to stay up with what you guys are doing when she gets to that age. So I'm just going to lie to her and tell her there's no such thing as Pathfinders. <laughs> so, that's awesome. I, I really want to thank you. Um, also, that Ave Verum piece by the, the chorus, you guys were fantastic. Wow, how moving was that? Um, I consider myself part of the, the Hinkle clan. So coming up here is kind of a, is a joy to me because it's, you know, it's part of my extended family to come up and to see Milton singing like that. I'm used to him on the basketball court. Have you ever seen Milton on the basketball court? It's not a pretty sight, you know. It's like a, it's like a rhino just busting it down. And now I hear him singing like a beautiful, uh, it's just an angel. Man, Milton, I'm never going to be able to look at you the same again. That's fantastic. I'm going to hear that song in my head when we're playing basketball together, Milton. Ave. Beautiful, man. Fantastic. Pathfinders, finders of the path. You guys are the ones who are supposed to help us find the path. Which means you are the leaders of our church. Somebody say amen. amen. You are the leaders of our church. My title of my sermon today is Active, Present, Imperative. I will often say present, active, imperative. But it's the same thing. And it's an action charge to you guys. Not just to you finders of the path, but to all of us as finders of the path, to be present, to be active, and to be present. So I want to set the story up for you. If you'd go with me, would you please? To this particular place, let's go back a couple thousand years. We're standing on the side of a mountain. There's no cell phones, no Facebook, no Twitter. Somebody say amen. amen. There's no microphones, no lights. There's a Galilean. He's been kind of pushed around, but something about him is awesome. They say that he speaks with authority. Like, what he's saying is so divine and so powerful. And every time somebody comes who's broken, he heals them. And so there's this massive crowd. And they begin to pull in tight as he speaks because they're very interested to what he says. And this is what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers grow in the field? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now you can imagine everyone is tuning in just a little bit tighter. Because he's created a little bit of a, a crisis in their life. Because that's what they cared about most, right? What they ate, what they drank, what they wore. This was important. And it's interesting because as I read it, I feel that it's really important to us today as well. We, we, we are, we're very interested in what kind of clothes we wear, what, kind of, what we eat, what do we drive. And we've got all these reasons to worry about all these things. But they tune in closer to Jesus. Can any one of you by worrying add a single day in your life? 
None of you can. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Because that's what the pagans run after or the non-believers. That's what those who don't have a faith in a God goes chasing after. But your heavenly father knows what you need. So instead, seek after his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. God, in this short moment here today that we spend in your word, as we come clustering in with the, the rest of the crowd to hear you speak, we ask that your words may not fall on deaf ears or vain hearts, but that we would hear and soak every last ounce of your Holy Spirit this morning. Remove from us any transgression, any pride or arrogance. Remove from us any worries that surpass you. Transform our lives and take us back into this world to be finders of the path for those around us. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Okay, so this is awesome. I want you to come with me, all of you, Pathfinders, come with me. So here Jesus is on the side, and there's a huge crowd surmounting. Everyone is coming close. Jesus tends to do this. He draws crowds, and every time a crowd comes to Jesus, he creates an event. Why create an event? Events happen because events cause in you and I the time to reflect. When we go to events, it makes us reflect upon things, especially events that are drawn around the community or about us. Events make us think. They make us assess life. And the older you get, the more you assess life at events. My seasoned people can attest to that. Amen? What could you think of today is an event in which you and I stop and we assess our life? What's an event? Give me one event where you and I stop and we begin to assess life. Birthday. Birthday, correct. Birthdays. We assess life at birthdays. Every year you have a birthday, you assess. And the more birthdays, the more candles you have on that cake, the more you assess life. Amen. Those first few candles don't matter at all to you. My, my daughter and I, we, we just, my, my wife and I just had our first year birthday for my daughter. She didn't know what the birthday was all about. She came, she stood there, and we told her to blow out the cake. She couldn't blow it, and then she just put her foot in the cake. <laughs> Air. But the more candles you put on there, the more you assess life. The older we get. I, 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 I love playing sports. I tend to play sports often. But as I get older, I find that I have to assess how I'm going to play sports. Before, I could just come on after eating pizza, eating McDonald's, drinking down a 32-ounce gulp, play basketball, no problem. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Some of you are still trying to do that. Let it go. Let it go. Now, I have to stretch. I have to put on Bengay. I have to put on wraps. And that's just getting out of bed. Right? <laughs> we assess. Sure, birthdays. What's another one we do every year? We do it every year. Everybody does it together. Sabbath, Thanksgiving, we assess at those times. We always create assessment. Correct. What's one that we do like almost internationally, globally? Everybody does it. 
New Year's, correct. Every New Year's, some of us stay up later. We ask our parents, hey, Dad, can I just stay up till midnight? And we want to watch the big apple fall because something special is back. And we always make an assessment at New Year's. Everybody always has some kind of resolution. What's the number one resolution? We want to lose weight. Let's all promise ourselves not to say that this year. It's not going to happen, all right? I'm going to lose 30 pounds, but you're only 25 pounds. You'll die. Don't do it to yourself. No one loses weight. But events cause us to assess. Like when we're going to an event like that, it makes us think. And so Jesus was causing a, a moment for them to assess, to assess life, to think about where they were. So this morning, I want you all to assess where you're at. Ask yourself these questions. Um, how are you doing? How was this year? How is school? I'm going to throw up a couple, couple of words up there on the, on the screen so you can take a look at it and think about assessing where you're at. Because this is what Jesus did for the crowd. They assessed who they were. Take a couple seconds. I take it there's no words behind me. First things first. Okay, well, I want you to assess anyways. How's your life? How's your relationships? How's your church? How's your spiritual life? How's your friendships? How's your school? How's your homework? Create an assessment. Okay. So this is what Jesus calls the crowd to do, to assess how their life is. Because apparently they had a lot of priorities, like what do we eat, what do we drink, um, what kind of clothes we should wear. And so they were running after a lot of things that were good, but not great. They were superficial good things. And sometimes in life we do that. We run after things that are good, but not great. And we make those the number one priorities of our life. And Jesus is saying this, look, don't do that to yourself. Don't run after just the good because you won't be able to get to the great. Go after the great. Go after the big thing, the real priority. And a lot of times, we put our priority in the things that we feel are important but aren't so important. We buy things because even though we don't have money, we buy them just so, just so that we look good. We like prestige. We like it when people say, wow, he drives a really nice car. But we have no money to pay for the car, right? So we sold our home and we live in our car. <laughs> nice car, let's go to your house. I don't have a house, I live in my car, come on, right? We worry about our clothes, we worry about all these things. And so we run after them. Now this is what Jesus says, he says, but I tell you, do not worry about these things. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't worry. Turn the other way and tell them, don't worry. Turn to the person behind you. Say, tell them, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm going to spend like five minutes on don't worry. Why? Because we all worry. Somebody say amen. amen. We all worry. We got stuff to worry about. But you know what many Christians do with this particular piece of verse, Pathfinders? They say this. If you worry, then your faith is not strong enough. And so they tell us, if you worry, just pray more, just have more faith. And I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. Um, in fact, worry is, is, it can be a good thing for us. When we worry, it, 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 it strikes in us a response to do something. If my daughter is falling off the bed, I begin to worry. 
right? If I didn't worry, she'd get hurt. She, she, I've been teaching her how to get off our bed because our bed is this high. And, and so, you know, I, I figured I've got to teach my daughter how to get off the bed sooner or later because if I don't, she's going to be like 27 and still on the bed, scared to death, right? <laughs> Dad, come, come take me off the bed. Hey, you're in college. Get off the bed yourself, right? And so I'm teaching her how to get off the bed. And, and as I put her legs down off the bed, she fell off our bed once. Okay, don't call anybody. Don't call social service. It was an accident. Okay? <laughs> She fell off the bed once, and so she's a quick learner. She knows if she gets close to the edge, she starts crying, so she won't do it. If we leave her there, she will not. So I put her too close to the edge, and we're playing around. She's like, oh, da 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 And as soon as I put her little legs off the edge, she was, and she's yelling at me like, Father, why would you do this to me? Why? And I'm pushing her off the bed, but I'm holding her hands, and she's just like, you traitor. How dare you? And she's yelling for mom, mom, ah! and, my, and my wife comes in, right? And I've got my, ba- my baby hanging off the end of the bed. Hey, honey. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just teaching. And so we, we, get in, we get into these places of life um, where we, we, Christians tell each other, you shouldn't worry. Worrying means you don't have any faith. I don't think that's what Jesus was saying here. Worrying can be good. If you and I don't worry about our grades sometimes, that means we don't care about our grades. If we don't worry about our kids, that means we don't care about our kids. If we don't worry about our parents, that means we don't like our parents. That may be true for some of us. It may not. But worrying is not necessarily bad. This is what Jesus, I believe, is saying in this particular verse. When you and I are worrying, we have to assess what we worry about the most. Because whatever you and I worry about the most is the thing you and I worship. I'm going to repeat that because it's good and it's important. I want you to soak it in. Whatever you and I worry about the most is what you and I worship. If you worry about your job the most, guess what you're worshiping? Your job. If you're worrying about your kids more than anything else, guess what you worship? Because whatever you worry about the most is the thing you tend to focus on the most. And whatever you're focusing on the most begins to get uplifted past anything else. So that the only thing you and I could ever see is whatever we worry about the most. And what Jesus is saying here is that you and I shouldn't be uplifting all these superficial things. But you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Turn to the person next to you and say, keep your eyes on Jesus. Turn the other way, tell them, keep your eyes on Jesus. Tap the person in front, tell them, keep your eyes on Jesus. Whatever you and I worry about. See, this is what God does. God is the great gift giver. Amen? He's the giver of gifts, the giver of good things. In fact, the word says that all good things come from from God. So God is the giver of, of, of all good things, and, and he's constantly giving us things. Here's the problem with us as human beings. What we tend to do with, with God's gifts to us is we tend to begin to focus on our gifts. We don't longer, any longer worry about the gift giver who gave us the gift. We begin to keep our eyes focused on the gift that the gift giver gave us, and we begin to worship the gift instead of the one who gave us the gift. And so we make compromises with life. 
And we tell God, well, God, it, it's what you gave us, Lord. You gave this gift to us, so we've got to take care of it. And we, as Christians, we, oh, yeah, so I've really got to focus on this because this was God's gift to me. But then what happens is we take our eyes off God and we begin to worship the gift. Adam and Eve. It is the historical debate between the male and female gender. And males always come with the final roundhouse kick with, well, you sinned first. So no matter what argument we can get into, we always go back to the, well, you ate the apple, right? Oh, I hate that argument. Take out the trash. Well, I took it out last week. Well, you should take it out again. Well, you ate the apple. Take out the trash. And so often we think that, that, that Eve ate the fruit and so sin came. But yeah, I want to I reformat the story for you a little bit. I want to say that, that uh, Adam was the first to actually sin. <laughs> so I got a strong amen from the ladies. Yeah, so. Ladies say amen. Amen, yes. Now think about this. God gave Adam a beautiful gift because Adam couldn't live alone. So what did God do? God gave Adam Eve, a wonderful gift. God recognized, he said, look, man cannot make it alone. And that's a true fact. If you ever see single men walking around, you know what I'm talking about. You see what they eat, the way they live. Yeah, we need women in the world. Men say amen. amen. Like, yeah, I don't want to admit to that, Pastor. Come on, man. I'm tough. We need you women in our life. We would die without you. <laughs> God gives Adam this awesome gift of a, of a partner in life because he recognizes Adam can't be alone. Adam can't do it. And so, uh, you know, oftentimes we see, the, we see the, 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 the sum or the product of sin, and we tend to point at that as a sin. We don't recognize that the sin started long before the product came about. It's a fruit of our sinful life. And, and I think Adam, Adam, Adam really, he, he, he sinned long before in that he chose to love the gift more than the gift giver. He loved Eve. Think about this. Eve is going along in the garden. She sees a tree, and what's in the tree but a snake? And the snake says, yo, girl, come here. Check this out. Right? And girl's like, oh, um, a talking snake. That's cool. Um, but the Lord said, don't talk to talking snakes. Yo, come here, girl. Yo, check this out. I got this fruit. It's, bare, it's, it's, it's bare, bare, almost brand new. Okay, come to, you want to take a bite? And I can't, because I'm not a American, I, I just don't think as the fruit as an apple. Because fruits aren't enticing to me, I'm sorry. For apple lovers, God bless you, but apples are not good. And if I were Eve, an apple would not entice me. I think the fruit was like a mango, correct? Like, but like, a, like, a, like a 10 foot mango, you know what I mean? With no seed in the middle. Now that's... That's tempting, right? Yo, girl, come check this big old mango out. It's good. I don't know. I don't know. Jesus said don't eat it of the fruit. But it's a big mango. Mm, it smells good. Take a bite. Come on, girl. Take a bite. She goes over there. You know how you girls are. Like, okay, I'll just take a little bite. He ate through the whole mango. He ate so much. There's like mango strings hanging down to the ground and back, right? She walks back to Adam, hey, Adam, check it out. I said, what happened, girl? You know, oh, you ate that fruit, huh? 
yeah, but the fruit was so good. So, oh, man, you know God said don't eat of that fruit. She says, but come on, hey, look, I'm not dead. You can have some. And Adam said, girl, you know I love you, right? Because we're going down together. I love you. We're going to eat this fruit. Give me the mango. Look, and, and Adam ate the fruit, and, and we all know the story. You know what? If Adam ate the fruit first, I think it would have been a different story. If Adam ate the fruit first, I, I think it would have been a completely different story. Adam would have came back and went, Hey, Eve, look at my mango strings. Hey, Eve, uh, 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 I ate them. And Eve would have been like, Dog, you know you shouldn't ate that, right? Girl, but it was good and I'm not dead. If you love me, you'd be like, Hold up. Hey, God. Yeah, this dude ate the fruit. Let's start over. I got better plans, right? That's messed up, Eve. I'd have eaten it for you. And it's all a matter of what we keep our eyes on, right? It's all a matter of what we keep our eyes on. When, when the gift giver gives us an awesome gift, what we tend to do is we worry about that gift so much that we worship it, that our life is surrounded by that one thing, that, that we give it complete attention. And all the while, the gift giver is saying this, hey, I'm the one who gave you that gift, and, and, and don't worry about the gift because I can do even better if you trust me. If you put me first, everything else will find its place. And we say, yes, God, but you gave me this. I've got, I've got to take care of it. And we say, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to watch it and, and make sure it's okay. And all of a sudden, the gift giver begins to fade away in the distance because our eyes are so focused on what's in front of us. I used to work at the missions department at Alaska University, and I get, get kids in all the time uh, talking about how they want to go to the mission, mission field. And this one young gentleman come in, he was, a, he was a junior in college, and he said, Pastor, I want to go into the mission field and do something for Jesus. I said, awesome, let's do this. And he says, but I can't. And his face becomes regretful, and he's a little sad. He says, I just can't, I can't make that kind of commitment. And I said, why? Do you feel called by God? And he says, yes. I'm so, I'm so, I'm almost just want to jump out of my skin. I want to go because Jesus is calling me. Then go. I can't. We said finances. He says, no, the Lord has been opening doors and people have been sending money in and, and I've got enough money to go. Then go. I can't. I said, what's wrong? Are you sick? No. What is it? I have a girlfriend. <laughs> Poor baby. Go. I can't. Pastor, I love her. You do? Does she love you? Yes. Well, what did she say about you going to the mission? She said, well, she said that if I go, she may not wait for me. Big deal. Why do you, why, why does it matter so much? Oh, hey, Pastor, you don't understand. You've never seen her. She's hot. She's hot. Her name should be Tabasco. You're a sad, sad student. I said this, if God gave this particular person to you in your life as a gift, and you trust and honor God and keep your eyes on him and put him first and worry about him, don't you think God could do even better than her? 
And if she's not going to wait around for you because you're putting Jesus first in your life and because you're following her call, is she really worth the time? But so often, we take our eyes off of the gift giver and we focus solely on the gift. And we worship it. Pathfinders, it's not just you. Us adults do it too. Adults say amen. If you want to know what you worry about most adults, just look at your bank account. Whatever you're spending the most amount of money on is probably the thing you worship. You look at it and you say, oh man, I spent a lot of money on my car this week, this month. Oh, my awesome 1988 Honda Hatchback Blue, beautiful. If it's food, if it's entertainment, whatever it is, it's easy to spot what we worship the most. Jesus says this, don't worry about these things. The non-believers who don't believe in a God who can give them better, who don't believe in the gift giver, they go running after these things because they have no other choice. But you and I, we, 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 we serve the eternal God who grants us so many choices and so many gifts in life that we don't have to go chasing after those same things. We can do better. Somebody say amen. Turn to the person next to you and say this, we can do better. Turn the other way and tell them, we can do better. We can do better because we've got the gift giver of the universe on our side. So this is what Jesus says. He grants this crisis to them. And he says, look, so this is what's going on, man. Stop sweating the small stuff. Stop worrying about the non-essentials. Stop keeping your eyes on the superficial. And this was his answer to that. He said, but instead, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. The, 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 the worry about reputation, finance, all that stuff, it'll get added into your lot. All you've got to do is keep your eyes solely on God. Um, so I'm going to give you these three words today. Active, present, imperative. The word seek here in verse 33 is zeteo in Greek. Everybody say zeteo. Zeteo. That's Greek. I want you to use it powerfully sometimes this week. Go to school and say that. Let's play hide and zeteo. Hey, I've been zeteoing you. What are you talking about, dude? Yeah, it means seek Greek. Look it up. I'm awesome. Peace. And walk away. All right? Do that at school. It's a tale. It's Greek. It means to seek. It literally, when trans, transliterated, it literally means seek, to seek. I love, I love doing this. I, I read through the word and I, and I get into the Greek. Why? I, I love languages. How many of you love languages? I'm not, yeah, I think, I'm not awesome at languages. I love languages because they're interesting. I, I'm a Tongan, so uh, when I was born, the language that was prevalent in my house was Tongan. But I grew up in California, and we all know here in California, the national language is Spanish. So we, we, <laughs> you all have to speak a little, everybody speaks Spanish in here, right? You, got, you know, even if you don't know, and you got a horrible accent, you speak some Spanish. You can at least ask for the back. Donde esta el baño? Oh, se habla español? No. Donde esta el baño? And so we grew up around languages. We grew up, you know, and so I had to learn English. English is a tough language. Anybody had to learn English? This is a tough language. I mean, 
Because the English language has so many words for the same thing. Why? Just give it one word. In our, in our language, we, slippers or sandals, we call those supapa. Everybody say supapa. Right, because su means shoe, and when you walk in slippers, what noise does it make? Ba, ba, ba. And supapa. Doesn't that make sense? Why do we have to make it so complicated? I don't know. English got sandals, you got thongs, you got slippers, you got jingling and jang jongs. I don't know, man. There's too, too many things going on. Let's all get together, the association of English speakers, come up with one word and use it, right? Um, and so when I had to go through, um, when, when I went through uh, school, I, I picked up Greek and Hebrew because of, of the Bible. And it's so interesting to me because I find that when we translate it into English, we lose so much meaning. There's so much depth there that sometimes we miss because we don't have that, that same original language or we don't understand the context. And so here's, here's the context for this particular word. It's, it's, a, it's a verb. It's a verb, which means it's an action. It's a present tense, active, imperative verb. And so here we go. It's, 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 it's a present. Present tense is, uh, means that it's, it's, it's you presently doing it. It's not just something that's done last week or that we look forward to do next week. It's something we're doing right now. Turn to the person next to you and say, do it. Do it. Turn to the person and say, do it. That's what this verb means. It means to presently be doing it. So when Jesus is saying, but seek ye first, it was present to them. And when you and I hear it in the text today, it's present for us. And when we, when we hear it sometime down the road and we're reading it, it's present at that time. It's never past tense and it's never future tense. It's happening right now. Which means it's not just for last Sabbath or next Sabbath or when it's coming around or when it left, but it means you and I are doing it right now. To seek God on Sunday when our relationships go bad. To seek God on Monday when we get fired from our job. To seek God on Tuesday when we got that A in school. To seek God on Friday when we run out of money. To seek God every single moment, not just during Sabbath. Somebody say amen. As Seventh-day Adventists, we have become really good at the word seventh. We are Seventh-day Adventists. And on the seventh day, we are super good people. We're awesome. And if our life is horrible the rest of the six, it doesn't matter because we won't tell anybody else. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. How are you? Highly blessed and favored by the Lord Almighty. Thank you. And then you run off. No, but how is your life? No, really. <laughs> right? We live as Seventh-day Adventists. I'll prove it to you. When we, when we drive in our cars on Friday, we listen to different music Friday afternoon than we do in Friday evening. We got whatever we're playing. Hey, sunset. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we know when sunset is. We put it in our bulletins. Why? Because we're ready to leave the Sabbath. It's too much work being that good. Here it comes. Sabbath is ending. And it's like New Year's. Five, four, three, two, TV. Hallelujah. And it seems like we're Seventh-day Adventists when we should be, excuse the bad, bad English, seven days Adventists. Somebody say amen. amen. Excuse the bad English. I'm, I'm an illegal immigrant. No, I'm not illegal. I'm legal now. I'm legal. Don't anybody call anybody. We're present tense. You're pathfinders every day of the week. 
You're not just pathfinders on Saturday or on Sunday when you, or on your weekend trips or when you're wearing that uniform. That, by the way, that uniform is awesome. I'd like one. Next time I come, if you have triple XL, hook me up. Okay? I tried pathfinders when I was young. They kicked me out. Shame on them. Shame on me. <laughs> I'm ready. But you're not just pathfinders when you got the gear on and when you got the patches. And, and you're pathfinders every day. It's present tense. You seek God every day. Each one of us in this church should be seeking God every single day. This isn't a Sabbath event. And we do that to ourselves. My wife and I got married. And I'm this size not because I'm overweight. I'm this size because I'm happy, okay? I used to be nice and thin. That was because I was very sad and, and I was a single man. Then I met my wife, and all of a sudden, I'm super happy, as you can tell. My wife says to me, she says, hey, Icky, you're, you're looking quite happy. So what of it? I'm happy. She says, maybe you should be a little less happy. Let's exercise. I said, all right. We bought these things called uh, P90X. P90X. Guy says, you hate it, but you love it. And basically, he does boot camp via the video. You work out. You put on his video CD. And I said, let's, let's start with yoga, because that's easy. I'll whip up on yoga. I'm a master of yoga. I used to do it back in the day, which I never did. I just said that. She says, OK, let's do it. And, and we put this Vogue yoga tape on. And first of all, the guy who's leading it, the, the exercise guy, he's like 50 years old, right? Which to some may not sound that old. To some of us, is ancient. Hey, hey right, 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 yes. And, you know, and he's in super fit shape, and he's starting us off with yoga. And, you know, we start stretching and doing this, and about 15 minutes in, like, my body is hurting. I'm, like, quivering. I'm sweating for no reason. And I'm like, honey, stop the video. We can't do it anymore. He's pushing us too far. My body's doing stretches it can't do. And then he proceeds to say, okay, now we're done with the warm-ups. We're going to get started. <laughs> we finished. Melanie finished, and I was on the ground, laying there most of the time. <laughs> My body was aching, but it felt strong. I felt like I'd been doing all this workout. I took off my shirt. I was walking around the house. My wife said, please put your shirt back on. <laughs> but I felt good. You get that pain when you feel good about what you did, and it's awesome, and you feel strong. And that was the last time we exercised. <laughs> I felt good for the next day because it was still tight and sore. The next day was a little less tight and sore, but still kind of. But by the time the week was up, there was no soreness left. And that's what we do with church. We come, and it feels good, and we're stretching, and it feels great. And then, and then we should, we know we should be actively seeking the next day presently, but, but we don't. And then all, you know, and so we just kind of wait. Our muscles get tired out because it doesn't exercise. We wait for the next big event, or the next big Sabbath, or the next Pathfinder Sabbath, or the next concert we go to, and we hope that the pastor's sermon was awesome. We hope that he preaches something so we can say amen, and when he does, we all walk out church and says, wow, I've really been blessed today. And if the pastor's sermon was horrible or it was too long, you know, we walk in and we say, wow, I just didn't get a blessing today. It was a horrible, horrible day. I don't have a blessing in my life. We do that with, with our praise leaders, the people who are singing. And, you know, praise leaders are awesome. They're like the cheerleaders of the church. 
they come out and they have to sing a hymn and they have to look happy, right? Even if they feel horrible and they're back, they're, they're angry at everyone and they come out, hi, happy Sabbath, everyone. I'm so delighted you're all here. Not really. And if they were good, we walk out here and we say, wow, we're blessed. Because we leave our spiritual life, we leave our growth in other people's hands. But to be present tense means that you are seeking it for yourself every single day. That you have a relationship with God every day. And by the time you come here, whether the sermon was awesome, whether the singing was good, you are already blessed. Somebody say amen. And you're walking out of this place high and happy and mighty, and you're telling the pastor how awesome he did, and the pastor's like, that was the worst sermon I've ever preached. Everyone knows it, even me. But you and I don't need the pastor's sermon to be lifted because we have been presently doing it every single day. So to be present tense means it's yours. To actively worship means it's not passive. No one is doing it for you. The praise team isn't doing the work for you. The pastor's sermon isn't doing the work for you. It means that you are doing the work for yourself. That you are getting involved with your own spiritual life. That you're taking the time to read the word and pray your prayers. And parents, that's so important. If I could just talk to my Pathfinder parents real quick and the noun Pathfinder parents, it is so important that you have an active spiritual life. Somebody say amen to that. Because so often we leave our job in the hands of our academies and in 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 our job in the hands of our church. And then we go to our church, and, we t- and we, when they, we feel like they didn't teach them right, we, you should have taught my children that. No, parents, you should teach your children that. Amen. You should be praying at home. You should be reading your word. Why? Because no matter what we tell our kids, our kids don't care. They only care about what we do. And we can tell them all we want about how they should do this and how they should do that. And, but if they don't see us doing it, You know what they're learning to do? They're learning to be church people who say one thing at church but live a different life at home. And so you and I must be consistent that we're doing it ourselves. My mom, I told you about her last time. Our term of endearment for my mom is to punish her because she punishes like a champion. My mom used to get up on Sabbath morning and get up before the sun got up. Why would you do that? I don't know. Like, the Lord isn't even up at that time of the day, right? My mom gets up. She gets up. She says, hey, it's time to go to church and be happy about it. Like, mom, why would you? I can't be happy now. I'm just scared. I'm just scared. <laughs> you will do what I say or else. And we get to church and we're like, hi, happy Sabbath. God bless you. These are my children. They're all matching because they're good children. Right? And you're going to be like, hi, happy Sabbath. Help me. <laughs> we didn't learn a thing about what, what, our, what our, our mom was telling us or how she acted at church. We, we watched how she was at home. My mom, and my mom's totally awesome. So I'm very thankful that I have a very spiritual, prayer, prayerful mom. Because she wasn't just angry at home, she was angry everywhere all the time, praise the Lord. (laughs) So you and I must be active. Lastly, lastly, this verb is imperative. Everybody say imperative. Imperative. 
Imperative means it's required, or it ends with an exclamation point. If it's a question form, it'll be a question mark. If it's a statement, it'll have a period. But when it's imperative, it will have an exclamation point. And so when you and I read this, oftentimes we hear the kind, loving Jesus say, but seek after the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But that's not how Jesus is saying it. He is saying it in imperative form. In other words, he's telling you this. There is only this, that you would seek God first. If you want your life to fall in order the way it should, you seek God first. If you want to make sure that everything is the way it should be, you seek God first. First, that's not a question, a suggestion, or a comment. It's imperative. It's Jesus' command to you and I to seek him first every day actively as our practice with Jesus. So I tell you this morning, don't worry about your fashion or how big your house is. Don't worry about your reputation or the cool shoes or cool clothes. Don't worry about how nice your lunch box is or what food is in it, but seek God first and his righteousness. And everything else that you've been worrying about, it will fall into place. God bless you today. Amen. Father, that that be our joy today. Yes. When we can all sing that song together. Lord, not let that song just be on a Sabbath, just in the morning, just during a worship service, but let it be a present, active, imperative part of our life every single day. Grant us again your blessings. Renew our spirits. Remind us to keep our eyes on you, Jesus, the giver of all good things. Let us be true, genuine, and open with our kids. May they see Jesus in us. Bless us and change us this day as we seek you and your kingdom, as we become present, active, and imperative today. I pray this in the holy name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you.